Welcome to Rise, Healing from Childhood Sexual Abuse Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Heil, registered psychologist and DBT certified clinician. I am also a childhood sexual abuse survivor. In this podcast, I will offer information about childhood sexual abuse in order to provide you with knowledge on this difficult topic, as well as provide you with strategies and tips that you can access now in order to begin moving from surviving to thriving. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm going to be talking about another symptom that is pretty common with people who've experienced any type of childhood abuse. This is going to be on dissociation. Dissociation is a survival strategy, actually, that the body utilizes when it experiences something that's really very physically or emotionally aversive. It's the freeze response from the fight-flight-freeze system. So lots of you have probably heard of at least fight and flight, but there's this third one called freeze. And this is the thing that all animals actually do when they are in really serious danger um, it's just another response that they have. So we can we can fight uh, when we're in danger. We can flee as in like run away or avoid. And then the third thing we do is freeze. And the freeze response is the one that most people, most brains, I'll say, because it can be any type of organism. It doesn't have to be just people. Uh, but it's the response system that the brain will choose when it realizes that running away is likely not going to be successful and attacking or fighting is not going to be successful. The third option is freezing. This is like the, um, uh, when you, if you're looking into the wilds, if you see an animal who is being attacked by a predator, you're going to see that when they, when their brains realize that they are no longer able to get away from the situation, they will freeze. Um, Sometimes we hear the, the the saying playing dead. That's like when an animal just kind of like falls over out of um, sheer uh, fear or shock. Um, that's the freeze response. And the idea of why the body does a freeze response is because when somebody freezes like that, everything kind of goes into the state of numbness. So if an animal was to, or a person was actually being attacked, they stop being able to feel as much as they usually would when there wasn't any danger around. So there is a lot of, um, there's a, a numbness of physical experience that occurs so that if their physical body was being hurt, they're not feeling it in the same way. And their brain sort of just kind of goes away or their, their mind goes away. They're no longer present in the way that they were before. And all of this is around trying to protect the organism so that the the organism is not feeling pain, both physically and emotionally in the way that it would if it was really just very present with what was going on. So that's what dissociation is. Now, there's several types of dissociation that can occur. There's derealization, depersonalization, and then dissociation. And I'm going to go through each of those here in a moment just to explain the differences. But before I do that, the thing I want to really stress is that any form of dissociation is adaptive in the moment. It is something that is effective for the body to be doing when it is trying to survive the situation that it's in. However, the body tends to overlearn dissociation. Once it starts dissociating and it does it kind of over and over again, it starts doing it in other situations where it's no longer adaptive. 
Okay, so let's go over those three different types of dissociation in a little bit more detail. The first one I'll talk about is derealization, which is when we feel like the world is not real. It's like we get this this state about us where it feels like everything is dreamlike, like we're in a dream or sometimes like we're in a bubble and everything else starts to feel detached and disconnected. Sometimes there can be perceptual disturbances that come with derealization, such as feeling like objects are appearing bigger or smaller than they actually are. And for some people, they can start to see some static in their eyes or it's like they get tunnel vision. And sometimes colors can look brighter or duller. So that is called derealization. And it's on the spectrum of dissociation. I want you to think about dissociation as being on a, on a spectrum where we've got more mild forms of dissociation that can occur. And then we can go to a really severe form of dissociation, which is pretty much when we lose track of time. And it could be like hours and uh, sometimes even days. So a full spectrum when it comes to dissociation derealization is still alarming to feel, but it's on that more mild side of the spectrum. Next would be depersonalization, which is when you feel like you are not real or that your body is not as it usually is. You can feel numb. You can feel like you're floating. Some people say that they have like an out-of-body experience where they can be looking down on their body, almost like seeing themselves through a third-person view. Different parts of the body can feel like they're not yours. And again, there's different perceptual disturbances that can occur, such as um, looking down at your hands and feeling like they're not your hands or looking at a body part and not thinking, not realizing that it's your body part. Or maybe you, you realize logically that it is, but it really just doesn't seem like your own. And then if we keep going down that spectrum on the more severe side is full out dissociation, which really means we're losing time. We will like blink and it all of a sudden it's like minutes or hours have gone by and we we have no idea where that time has gone and sometimes what we've been doing during that time and then if we go all the way over on that spectrum of dissociation that's when we can start to go into some of the more um, severe dissociative disorders such as things like dissociative identity disorder which is where Uh, you lose really big chunks of time. And there's different parts of personality that will show up in different chunks of time. And sometimes we don't have an awareness of the fact that there are these different personalities within us. So our, our personality gets very fragmented, and start to develop their own personas, if you will. Um, that is really not very common. So I don't want to freak anybody out who's listening to this. It absolutely can happen with really severe situations of abuse. So some people listening to this, that might be something you relate to. But for most people, that's not necessarily where dissociation leads them. It's more likely that you're experiencing something on that lower end of the spectrum. So the derealization, the depersonalization or dissociation of like losing minutes of time as opposed to hours or days. Um, So as I said, dissociation is really common to experience for anyone who has experienced any type of childhood abuse including neglect. Dissociation can happen with neglect because when a child is left alone for big chunks of the day over time, over and over and over again, they numb out. They learn to just zone out so that they don't have to be present with the fact that there isn't a caregiver there for them. So that's actually quite common with childhood uh, neglect. And then childhood abuse, why it starts to occur is because over time, as 
it may start in abuse that the child doesn't necessarily know what's happening and therefore it's not really feeling traumatic per se. We've talked about that in previous episodes. But over time, if the child starts to recognize that something about the abuse is not right and it becomes a, an experience that they are really feeling quite adverse towards, they, they don't like it, they dread it, uh, or if there's any type of pain, then the body will start to learn to dissociate. And the more you dissociate during abusive episodes, then the more likely it is that you'll continue to dissociate once the abuse is no longer happening. So dissociation during childhood probably means you're going to continue to dissociate after childhood has completed and well after the abuse has stopped happening. Dissociation is also common during any types of assault as a child and as an adult, as well as during any other types of traumatic incidents. So things like violence or car accidents, it's really common for people to experience episodes of dissociation. However, generally, if a person only experiences one incident that leads to dissociation, they're not going to go on to develop the tendency to continue to dissociate after the fact. They may experience dissociation just there in that one event. It won't continue to happen afterwards. It's really only when there's these pervasive situations, these times that um, these traumatic events that happen over and over and over again, that a person will develop then the tendency to dissociate in other moments of their life when abuse or traumatic events are, are not actually occurring. So the more you dissociate in adverse situations, the more likely you are to dissociate going forward in everyday situations. Occasional dissociation is a symptom that occurs as a result of childhood abuse. So again, if you're listening to this podcast, good chance that you've probably experienced some form of dissociation before. Not everybody does, but it is fairly common. But pervasive dissociation and severe dissociation, so going on that further side of the spectrum that I talked about, can be indicative of those dissociative disorders. So really, that's that full range there. If you're listening to this and you're on that side of the severe dissociation spectrum, just know that there are treatments that are available that target things like dissociative identity disorder and other types of dissociative disorders. And so there's just, there's lots of things that can help you feel more able to regulate and to start to prevent dissociation from happening as pervasively as it is. The strategies that I gave for flashbacks in the last episode tend to be really, really helpful for experiences of dissociation as well. And so if you haven't listened to that flashback episode, I'd encourage you to go ahead and listen, particularly for the strategies, because those same strategies work just really, really well. Um, the goal is not to never dissociate again. Just like I said about flashbacks, they're probably going to continue to happen in some way, shape or form in your future if you've experienced childhood abuse. But we want to know what to do to be able to manage those situations as they show up. How do we make sure that we're able to get through a period of dissociation in a way that we stay regulated and we're feeling okay and we come out of it feeling more confident that we know what to do when we're in those situations? That's really what the goal is. So go ahead and listen to that if you haven't. Uh, but otherwise, I think that's a good place for us to stop for today. So as always, thank you so much for listening and I will see you next episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode helpful, please go ahead and leave me a review, and you can also follow the show so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. For more information about me, you can check out my website, www.innersolutions.ca.